Lord, that we would put our trust and our faith and all of our hope in you. God, bless your people, God. Thank you, Lord, that we are here this morning in your presence, worshiping. Thank you, God, for your love and for your protection. Cover us, God, with your love. Be with us, God. Bless your name. Bless your name. Lord, you are our refuge. You're our Savior. You are our God. Thank you for that. And again, God, we look forward to the day where we'll be able to gaze upon your beauty forever and ever and ever. Lord, you are awesome. Thank you for the practice we get here on earth. Thank you for these opportunities to be together. Lord, we love you. We praise you, Jesus. seated this morning. We're going to head right into the message this morning, and we'll receive our uh, offering um, at the end, and I think you'll see why as we continue on a journey as a church. Um, for those of you that have been with us over the past few weeks, thanks, praise and worship team. Wonderful. Good job. Over the past few weeks, we've been talking about different commitments that are found in healthy churches and what that means for us and uh, as a church. And uh, we, each one of these uh, have been able to shape us and mold us and help us to become uh, a healthy body of believers. We believe that the church is not a building. Uh, the church is God's people coming together and worshiping like we just did. And when we talk about a healthy church... Um, I, I want to just make sure that we're understanding that we are not striving for, uh, well, we are maybe per striving for perfection, but we, we will never become the perfect church. How many would agree that there's no perfect church, right? And the reason for that is that there are no perfect people, and the church is God's people. And so just by that very fact, because of our sin nature, there's no perfect people. Well, we've been on a journey looking at different things, uh, different commitments found in these healthy churches, and we talked about giving up our rights and the fact that as a body of believers, if we truly give our hearts to the Lord, we give up our rights. We talked about showing up to church, and uh, you guys have done well this morning, and, uh, and I appreciate that, and, and we're so glad that you're here. We talked about picking up your ministry, and we saw the, the example of that even this morning in the worship team, uh, those picking up their gifts and, and using those for God's glory. And then we talked, Pastor Mark talked a couple weeks ago about cheering up our brothers and uh, the three camps that we can live in, Camp Apathy, Camp um, uh, Community is what we want, and Camp Negativity. And uh, for those of you that were a part of still, even this morning, someone said, man, that, that message really meant a lot. We were talking about that over our trip to Mackinac. A few of us uh, were talking about that message as well. And then last week, we talked about backing up the pastor and the importance of backing up the leadership in the church because where there's unity, God will bless. He will put his hand upon a group of people where there's unity and God moves in those. Just want to remind you online at thegatewayGH.com. Um, you can grab one of our pens. It's got the website on there. You, if you've missed any of these messages, they're all posted there. You can listen, and uh, we want to encourage you to do that. Well, we have two more weeks. Today, we're going to talk about the sixth commitment, and that's offering up your tithes. And then next week, we're going to talk about listening up to God to kind of conclude this series of commitments. And as I was looking at these last two, just excited about the opportunity to share these, um, I ran, ran across a, a resource by Craig Hughes, or not Craig Hughes, <laughs> he, he's our sound guy usually, uh, 
Craig uh, Hood. And uh, the book that he wrote was called Taking God at His Word. And he wrote in there, he said, over the years, and he's a pastor, a seasoned pastor. Um, he's probably in his 60s. I'm not sure when he wrote this book, um, but there's been several editions. But he said, over the years, he says he's noticed two areas in the life of a church that bring renewal and excitement. How many of, those would, of us would say, man, that sounds good, renewal and excitement, sure. And he says those two areas that he's noticed was strong prayer and strong giving among the people. Now, when we look at these offering up our tithes, today we're going to talk about giving. And then when we look at uh, next week at listening up to God, that's a prayer component of a commitment found in a healthy church. So he says, over the years, I've noticed two areas in church life that bring renewal and excitement, strong prayer and strong giving. And he continued, he said, when committed to both of these, a church will feel a spirit of love, a spirit of optimism, and expectancy. Visitors will feel more welcome. Evangelism will explode. And ministries will expand as we shift our focus from ourselves, which is easy to do, focus back to God and onto the needs of people. And out of strong prayer and out of strong giving, we'll be able to meet the needs of people. But today, as we talk about the first component out of those last two, we want to talk about offering up our tithes. And I want to look at what it is about giving or what it is about offering up our tithes. And when we talk about tithes, that's our giving to the church. And we'll describe that a little clearer later. What about that helps create a healthy church. And I want to look at that, and again, you know, this is a, these, some of these commitments are hard to preach about. Some people, some pastors just avoid these subjects altogether uh, because they can seem self-serving. Oh, they're talking about giving to the church again, or it's selfish, or it can be manipulative, and, and that is not my heart. In fact, I can stand before you today because of the benefit I have learned and received from giving that I can stand that personally and say, you know what? For your benefit. This is for your benefit. It's not as much for the church, but as for you. But there is a corporate blessing that comes when God's people together give. And for me, I want to just share a little bit of my story. Some of you have heard this before, but tithing for me started as a young, at a young age, like many of you. My parents made me tithe when I was growing up. They made sure that when I made a dollar, 10 cents, a tithe, which is a tenth of any income, went back to the Lord. And so they were very careful that when we did that, and so it was something that was mandatory in our house. We did that. And I didn't know any other way. My parents taught that. And I would just want to say, parents, I believe it is our responsibility to train up our kids in the way they should go. And part of that is teaching our kids to give when they have increase, to set the example. Well, I followed in my parents' footsteps, and because of that, I've give, given, I don't, uh, as far as I remember, I don't ever remember not paying my tithes on any income I had since I was a little kid. Now, I didn't really ever question this. I just kind of took God at his word. I took my parents' word and their example, and I didn't realize until college and then beyond, and in ministry, and especially when I came here the first time I preached a whole series on tithing, and I did a lot of research, that that is not necessarily the norm. There is a lot of material, a lot of books written, a lot of uh, people, chat uh, online, uh, blogs that are created to uh, help people not to give, I think. And there's a lot of opposition to tithing. Is tithing for today? Is tithing uh, something that is biblical? Is giving in general important? And there's all these things that, that would give a, a different approach. And, and I just want to say that for me, this week, again, I was you know, searching through. You've got to be careful because sometimes these places can be pretty convincing in their arguments. Pam and I, we were dealing with a, uh, a, a company that did our payroll. I won't say who, just in case you guys use them in your business. And we were struggling. And, uh, and, uh, and this guy, he was a very smooth talker, wasn't he, Pam? 
and we were trying to get him to do something, make, create, uh, correct something in our books, and, uh, and he wanted us to, to go a different way that would have been easier for them, and, and uh, he was very slick and very smooth, and sometimes these other resources, uh, I noticed, especially this one this week, was it, it didn't have one verse of scripture. It was all opinion, all human reasoning. It was crafty and sneaky, and so you've got to be careful. There's some people that have grown up in the church and all they hear is tithing, tithing, giving, giving. And I want to be sensitive to that too. Because you can take it to an extreme. How many have ever heard of the theology of the health and wealth theology sometimes preached? And that can be a huge turnoff. Prosperity gospel. If you give, you're going to drive a Cadillac. Or if you give, you're going to have the big house. Those types of things. And then sometimes there's the anti-giving and uh, anyway, we want to bring a, a good perspective this morning, and that's my heart, for us to look at tithing and offering up our tithes as a commitment found in healthy churches. As I've studied, as I've prayed, and, and as God has uh, allowed me to kind of let this simmer inside of my soul, for me, what it boils down to is that tithing, giving back to God, is a reflection of our heart. What is most important to me? I go to a verse, Matthew 6, 21. It says, where your treasure is. That means where your wallet is, right? Where your money is, that's where your heart is. And so it can boil down that in a world full of materialism, a full of financial success and, and uh, different ways to get ahead, what boils down to is show me your checkbook and I'll show you what your priorities are. And where your heart is. And I know from, from my, that, that I am most healthy personally when I give God everything, even my pocketbook. You know, when we talk about turning our lives over to God, and we can all relate, there's things in our lives that, that are sometimes difficult to turn over to God. Whether it's our habits, or maybe it's an addiction Maybe just sin in general. Maybe it's a lying tongue or, or maybe it's uh, you know, other things that, that, that are hard to kick the habit. Maybe it's hard when we turn our lives to God to give Him our time, saying, man, you know, how can I serve? How can I pick up my ministry? Maybe it's our talents, uh, giving, our, giving up our talents and saying, no, I want to use our, my talents for myself. But when it comes to money, money oftentimes is one of the most difficult things to give up to God. Why is that? Well, there's a lot of fear that's associated with, with giving. To put our trust in, in someone else or to give uh, and to say, well, will they take care of uh, the money uh, well? Or will they, will they provide, will it be a blessing back to me? But what it boils down in my mind is, who is, is the question, who owns everything? Well, in Psalm 50, verse 10, it says that God owns everything. The cattle on a thousand hills, everything is his. And if we understood that, if we could grasp that, I think it would help a lot of us to be able to give, to release what God has given to us. But the facts are that only 9% of born-again believers, that's people that have given their heart to Jesus, that would say that they are, they've given their heart to the Lord, 9% of adults give 10% back the church. That's interesting, isn't it? Now, these statistics are from January 2008. The uh, Barna Research Group did this, and they were actually taking the da data from the year before in 2007, uh, calling uh, uh, over 2,000 individuals to get these statistics that 9% of born-again believers give. They said overall, of all Americans, only 5% of Americans tithe gave 10% back to some church or charity or some nonprofit sort of group. You say, well, is that, was that just for that year? Well, since 2000, uh, Barna had tracked it, and that was the earliest, or the latest information I could get. From 2000 to 2008, it averaged between 5% and 7%, so not a whole lot of change there over those years. That means that 95% virtually of Americans across the board did not give or don't give tithe to a nonprofit, to a church, to anything. They don't give 
back what God has given to them. And the question is, is why is it so hard to tithe? Well, in our culture, we are a culture full of debt. The indebtedness of our, of our society makes it more difficult, how many would agree, to sometimes to give. Some people would say, man, I just cannot afford. When you look at our budget, we cannot afford to give. Some people would say it is impossible to give. And I just want to say in Luke 18, 27 says, with God, all things are possible. And, and I truly believe that. Some people just don't believe that tithing is important or they're confused about the theology as they read the Old Testament to New Testament and what does God really say? And some people, they believe in their heart that tithing is true, that, that they should be giving, but they're just living in disobedience. There's some hurdles to get over to understand in many of our situations. And like other components of, uh, that bring health to a church, tithing can be a tough one to be able to conquer. But I believe that churches that are full of people that do give, that do tithe, it creates a healthy body of believers. And I want to look at that and why that is this morning. This morning, as we look at God's Word, I want you to know that in God's Word, God talks a lot about money. Jesus made a huge deal about money. There are more verses about money and possessions than about heaven or hell or the second coming. Just to give you a perspective, how many think prayer is important? How many would say prayer is important in our lives? Well, I would say that that is true. Next week, we're going to talk about prayer being a commitment found in a healthy church. There are just over 500 verses on prayer in God's Word. How many think faith is important, right? Faith is pretty important to believe, to step out, even before we see. Well, there's just less than 500 verses on faith. But when you talk about money and things, stuff, possessions, combined, there's over 2,300 verses found in Scripture. And so God's Word and God's people, us, we together, we certainly have something to say about finances, about money, and about possessions. And with that, I want us to turn to a very popular, uh, a very common place uh, to turn as we look at this idea of tithing. I want you to turn with me in your Bibles to Malachi chapter 3. Now in the bulletins, um, it says Malachi uh, chapter 3, verses 8 through 11. Um, that was a misprint. That was my fault. Um, it's Actually, we're going to start in verse number 6. Malachi chapter 3, verse number 6 is where we'll start. Let me give you a little background before we read God's word here. This is uh, Malachi, a prophet, talking about the, the state that the Israelites have find themselves in. Judah had been unfaithful. The Israelite people had been unfaithful over and over. They'd serve God, then they'd turn from God. They'd serve God, turn to God. And again, they find themselves in a place where they had been unfaithful, and they deserved judgment. They deserved judgment. And we'll see that in verse number six, let's, let's read. So you, that kind of gives you a little, the, the day of judgment is there. And then God says this uh, in verse six. He says, I, the Lord, do not change. How many are thankful that God doesn't change? His promises are good all the time. He says, so you, O descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. You say, well, what is he talking about? God had given a promise to protect his people, not to come down and to wipe them out. And he's saying, look, you deserve judgment. You have fallen away, come back, fallen away, come back. But I am not changing. You have not been destroyed. It says, ever since the time of your forefathers, you have turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. But then there's a promise. God says this, return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord. So God, through his prophet, is saying, God, you have fallen away, come back. But once again, I'm arms open wide, ready to receive you, to come and to forgive you and to, to, for you to experience all the blessing that, that I have for you. He says, return to me and I'll return. Then the prophet says, but you ask, how are, you, how are we to return? And God would say, will a man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. In tithes and in offerings, you are under a curse. That what that literally means, you are cursed with a curse. The whole nation of you, because you are robbing me. 
And then he says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have enough room for it. He says, I will prevent pests and detour the crops and, and the vines of your field and uh, will not cast their fruit, says the Lord Almighty. Then the nations will be blessed. And you could put in there, then the church will be blessed. God's people, the nation of, of Israel, would have been blessed. Now we're going to look at this verse and we'll come back to it in a few minutes. But there's a history throughout Scripture, from Genesis to Revelation, of giving and tithes and first fruits and offerings. Real quick, I want you to turn with me in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 14. Genesis chapter 14 will give you a little bit of a history lesson. We'll keep this uh, quick. Genesis 14, verse 18. Um, Abraham had rescued Lot, and uh, then Abraham came before the king who served as the high priest. This is King uh, Melchizedek. And it says in verse 18, Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was the priest of God most high, and he blessed Abraham. So Abraham had saved Lot, brought him back, and then the priests blessed him for that. And he said to Abraham, Blessed be Abraham by God most high, creator of the heavens, and blessed be the God most high who delivered your enemies into your hand. And then there's a little phrase. After Abraham had been blessed by the priest, it says, Then Abram gave him a tenth of everything. Gave him a tenth, a tithe of everything. A few verses later, uh, a few chapters later, Genesis chapter 28, you can flip there. Jacob had made a vow. Uh, Jacob had experienced his dream uh, of going to Bethel, means the place of God, and, and he had experienced this. And at that moment, Jacob made a vow. Verse 20, 28 and 20, says, Then Jacob made a vow, saying, If God be with me, and, I, and will watch over me on this journey I'm, I am taking and will give me food to eat and the clothes to wear so that I return safely to my father's house, Bethel, then the Lord will be my God. And this stone that I have set up as a pillar will be God's house. So at that moment, he created a stone, a, a, a temple, a, uh, an altar that represented meeting with God. And then he said, and of all you give me, of any increase that I would have, I will give you a tenth. So Jacob, in that moment, created an altar representing the place of God and says, you know what? I'm going to give back to God a tenth of everything that I have given me. Let's turn to one more, Leviticus, Leviticus chapter 26, Leviticus chapter I'm sorry, Leviticus chapter 27, verse 30. This is again, at the, uh, God is redeeming his people, redeeming what was the Lord's already. And at the very end of Leviticus, verse 30 says, And a tithe of everything from the land, whether grain or soil or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord. The tithe is holy to the Lord. And then we don't have time this morning, but if you want to write this down in your notes or in the side of your Bible somewhere, to read Deuteronomy chapter 26 is just kind of riddled with first fruits, giving without a promise of anything more, and tithing. And again, God's word, these are just a few examples of places right from the beginning of time where the tithe was established, giving was established among God's people. But you know what's interesting as I was studying this week? I ran across uh, some historical records that show that Egypt and people from Babylon and Assyria and other areas, not just God's people, but they also would tithe. They would give back a tenth of what God had given them. And what's interesting is that the spiritual side of, the, of those uh, civilizations they realized that faithfulness included tithing, even in uh, pagan cultures. And I ran across uh, a professor, this is uh, Professor John Willis, an Old Testament studies professor, that talked about this. 
And he said this, he said, by giving their tithes, talking about the Israelites, the Israelites were proclaiming that they were giving back to the Lord a portion of that which he had prospered them. And that he takes it back to Deuteronomy chapter 26, verses 10 through 15, which we won't read. It says, just as God had given his people the food and resources they needed for their existence, by tithing, the people were imitating him by giving their God-given food and resources to the slaves and to the poor, to the sojourners, to the orphans and the widows. Thus, and this is interesting, tithing was the means God had given the Israelites to express their love to God for all that he had given them and express their love to their neighbor as God had expressed his love to them. And as I read that, what jumped in my mind is our goal, our thought here as a Gateway Church, one of the things we are striving to do is to connect with God and connect with each other. And what he's ex examining here or saying here is that the tithing was the means that the Israelites expressed their love to God, their connection with God, to love God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. And their tithing provided a way for them to connect with each other, to be a blessing to others. And I said, man, that's good. I wanted to read that because it's so important for us to get an idea, this idea that together we are able to do more. Now, in Malachi, it talks about bring your tithe to the what? To the storehouse, right? In Malachi 3. Now, the Malachi 3, the storehouse at that point um, in, in culture was to bring it to the Levites and the priests. In Deuteronomy 14, it says it was provided to bless the widows and orphans. In Deuteronomy 14, uh, a little later, it, says, it talks about giving it to the poor, in all of those things, would, would, there's uh, connections to giving to the church today. The pastors and Levites would represent staff and pastors. Uh, the widows and orphans, there's still widows and orphans among us. And the poor, the Gentile poors would represent those that are unsaved. And how many know someone that's unsaved? And, and by giving to the church, to the storehouse, which we believe is God's house, to the church, we are able to do more together. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 2, I encourage you to write that down. 1 Corinthians 16, verse 2, they were encouraged in the early church to set aside a portion of money to provide for ministry. And how many know that today, the church, the ministry that we are able to provide collectively, together, we are able to do more when we give together. And I believe as we give and as we understand God's principle in our lives personally, that every need will be met. It focuses the direction of our giving. It gives great strength and great power. And the responsibility is for the board and for the pastors to be good stewards of that. And that's an important piece, and we, we want to, to be able to do that. But as we give and as we storehouse give, bringing our gifts to the place where we get our uh, encouragement in the Lord, where we grow in the Lord. And that, that for most of us, that's primarily uh, the, the place where we grow most is within the local church. As we give, there are many, many benefits. And there, I had a list of scriptures, but for time's sake, I want to uh, continue to talk in what makes us healthy as we our givers. On a personal level, there are scripture after scripture of promises that we will receive a reward when we give. Give and it'll be given unto you, pressed down, shaken together, running over. And with the measure you give, it will also be given unto you. We've heard that. We believe that. I believe that every one of our needs will be met as we are faithful in our giving. I also believe on a personal level, as we are givers, our priorities will become more clear. What is most important in our lives? I was talking to Dave Biller, who's a financial coach and uh, a counselor. I was talking with him this week and, and asking him some questions about givers and giving. I said, Dave, have you ever seen a case where someone was, was um, way in trouble where they were faithful in their tithes. 
and where they, but they still were living out of their means uh, and just, you know, you know, way out of control. And he said, no, normally they come to me and they haven't been faithful in that. And he said, in fact, there wasn't one case he could think of. Isn't that right? Where that was the case, where someone was faithful in their tithes, but way out, you know, way, way in debt. Now, I found some testimonies online after we talked, and there are people that, that said, you know, we, we took God at his word, and, and it, it just caused us to go further in debt. And I'm not sure what to do with that. But I th- there are cases of people that are reporting, at least on these different sites, that that is the case. But I have noticed personally, and I've seen in others, that as you make God a priority, we, it helps us live within our means. I know that giving also guards against selfishness. Because as we give and put God first, it helps us to get our eyes off of ourselves, and it really attacks uh, selfishness. There's great joy that comes, and we recognize in our lives when we give that God is control. God is in control, putting God first. Now, that's what makes us healthy individually, and we could talk a lot about that, but to this morning, I want to say, what is it about giving corporately together that makes us so healthy, that would provide strength and stability within the local body. Because I think that's key for what, we're, what I'm wanting God to imprint on our hearts today. Collectively, as you look around and look up, there's lights and there's air conditioning today, supplies in our kids' rooms and, and equipment that is used uh, here on the stage and all across uh, the church. Because of your giving collectively, we are able to do those types of things. Because we give together, collectively, we are able to do different outreaches, and we are able to provide in a benevolent way when, God, uh, when there's needs among us. And that's an area that this week, I would encourage you to be praying for us. We'll be meeting as a missions board, I believe, on Tuesday night, and then as a, an official, the official board on Wednesday night this week. And we are looking at this benevolent piece. How can we meet the needs of our people here better? And we're trying to create some systems that, that will be a blessing to us in that process. I believe that as we give corporately, it shows that we are honoring God. We are putting God first. Where is our heart? Where is it? Well, where we put our money, that's where our heart is. And as we do that together, honoring God, it, it's a good sign that, we, that there is good health within, the, uh, within our midst. There are lots of promises that, we, that we're going to look at here in just a second. But I go back to what Craig, Craig Hood had said, that there is increased love, increased optimism, and increased expectancy when there is uh, giving, strong giving in a body of believers. And I believe that. And you know why? Because you're vested at that point. You're connected. You have a, an interest in what is happening. You have a part as you release your funds to, to be a part to do those things. When the church, when God's people, when they live in obedience by putting God first in their lives, I love that the fact that other things become less important. Matthew 6.33 says, Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these other things will be added unto you. As we seek God first, other things become less important. And think about that as a church. As we focus our attention on God and we give God everything within our hearts, other things, other distractions become less important. I want you to turn with me to 2 Chronicles. 2 Chronicles chapter 31. It's in the Old Testament right after 1 Chronicles on page 407, if you've got the same Bible I have. 2 Chronicles chapter 31, story of King Hezekiah here, talking about the contributions bringing to the house of God, to the place of worship. 2 Chronicles chapter 31, verse 4 says, He ordered, this is King Hezekiah, He ordered the people living in Jerusalem to give the portion due the priests and Levites, so they could devote themselves to the law of the Lord. As soon as the order went out, so as soon as the Israelites heard, says the Israelites generously gave the first fruits of their grain, new wine, oil, and honey, 
and that and all that the fields produced. They brought a great amount, a tithe of everything. The men of Israel and Judah who lived in the town of Judah also brought a tithe of their herds and flocks and the tithe of the holy things dedicated to the Lord their God. And they piled them in heaps. They began doing this in the third month and they finished in the seventh month. So it took four months for them to bring in the tithe of the people, to bring in these gifts that King Hezekiah was saying, hey, it's time to be obedient. Let's do this and let's do what God has asked. It says they began in the third month and finished in the seventh month. And when Hezekiah and his officials came and saw the heaps, they praised the Lord and blessed his people, Israel. Verse 9, Hezekiah asked the priests and the Levites about the heaps. And Azariah, the chief priest from the family of Zadok, answered, and this is key. I want you to underline this in your Bible if you can. It says, since the people began to bring their contributions to the temple of the Lord, we have had enough to eat and plenty to spare because the Lord has blessed his people. And this great amount is left over. What this says to me and just leaps out to me, as a body of believers, as we obey the Lord, as we begin to give our contributions, our tithes, what God has asked from us, there will be more than enough to handle whatever would come our way, more than enough to handle every need to be benevolent when we need to be, and, what, and just to be able to reach out to be a blessing. In Proverbs chapter 3, verses 9 and 10, it says this. It says, honor the Lord with your wealth, the first fruits of your crops. And then it, I believe this promise is as good for an individual as it is for the church. It says, then your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats will brim over with new wine. God wants us to be givers. And as we do, he promises blessing. But if we go back to Malachi chapter 3, it says there to test God. From my study, that's, one, that's the only time in Scripture we are encouraged to put God to the test. Now, many people will say, well, is tithing required? Is it a New Testament principle? Well, I think there is a great case to look at the New Testament and to see tithing. Matthew 23, 23, Jesus is asked and is talking about uh, doing and giving, and he encourages the, uh, the Pharisees there to continue to give, continue to do the greater thing, or to the lesser things, which would include tithing, to continue to give of the, your commons and of your, of, your, um, of your tithes and of your offerings. And then he encourages, but don't forget love. And so he adds to it. He doesn't uh, eliminate the tithes, but he kind of increases it and says, you know what, you can give without, with a bad heart. He says, don't do that. He says, don't forget the, li- the lesser of these things. And he focuses on love, and which is very important. And God wants us to be givers. Now, again, in 1 Corinthians, we saw that, that the, the early church would bring in gifts and they put it aside to bless ministry. I believe together that our 10% reflects our reliance on him to be the source of all our blessings. Personally, I'd rather have God's blessings and his resources flowing through my life than to have, you know, relying on the bank or relying on my job or relying on anything else. And the interesting thing is that each one of us have a part in this as we grow in understanding of what God's word is for us. And I would ask this morning, do you believe that God is the owner of it all? He's the one that gives. He's the one that takes away, like it says in Job. Do you realize that every financial decision in your life is a spiritual decision? You say, well, I don't, because where your heart is, or where your uh, finances are, where your money is, where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. And that reflects a spiritual decision. Giving is your act of worship. 
And I wonder if, if there's those among us that are struggling. Perhaps it's God's way of getting your attention. Because Malachi 3 talks about this curse living outside of God's protection. There's a story that I won't take the time to read of a guy that was uh, saved and uh, was on his deathbed. Started coming to church. They brought him in on a wheelchair and, and uh, he was a part of a body of believers. And within, within a few short weeks, the pastor was preaching on tithing and giving and being faithful. And he said, okay, God, I'll, I'll start to take you at your word. And he started to give. And I think it was a combination of his giving and then just being around good, healthy people. And uh, the story goes that, that he was, that he started to feel better and God restored his health and was uh, healthy again. God was doing some miracles in his life, and tithing was a piece of that. And I believe that as we begin to obey God, taking God at his word, we do. There's an umbrella of protection that is created. Does that mean life will be perfect? Does that mean life will be stress-free? Absolutely not. But there's a protection, a promise. And this morning, as we consider this, I'm wondering, where is your heart in this matter? Do you long for the opportunity to worship God with everything, giving God everything, including your finances? Perhaps you've been, at times, generous in your giving for a couple weeks when you hear God's word and maybe a sermon like this, and then you begin to gradually slip away, to fall, fall off the wagon. Because life happens and there's distractions. Well, I want to give you two action points this morning that are easy to remember, and one of them requires some action today, and then the other requires require some action the next time you earn or have any increase in your life. Those action points, the first one, is that I want to encourage you in a few moments to give today. Say, well, I don't have much. I only got a 50 cents or a dollar or something like that. My encouragement is that today there'd be 100% participation in the offering today. The second action point is that I want to encourage you that every time you earn an income or you have an increase in your life, that you'd be faithful and that you'd give right off the top. Before you'd make any other bills paid, I want to encourage you to test God, to take God at his word, and to see if God's word doesn't become true in your life. I've heard of different pastors making promises that, hey, you commit for six months or three, three months, you give your tithes, and if you're not better off at the end of that three months or six months, um, then we'll give you your money back. Well, I've, I've heard that, and you know, it's an interesting concept. Uh, but it's almost like you're relying on the church, you know. And, uh, and, I, and if someone was interested in that, you know, come and talk. We can talk through that. But I'll tell you, I would encourage you to give it a season to allow God to work, to do great and awesome things. I believe that this morning, for some, you need to draw a line in the sand. And you need to cross that line saying, you know what? From this point forward, I'm going to take God at his word. God's word is clear that when we give, it honors him. It shows our reliance on him, and I believe he wants. I'm not sure if you've ever considered this question, but if every person at the Gateway Church gave like you did, what would the church look like? That speaks to the fact that each of us together have responsibility to support, and that together we're able to do more. To take that principle in Scripture, the seed, time, and harvest principle that is riddled throughout Scripture, that you plant a seed, and that seed will produce a crop to be fruitful, that God will bless. And just so you know, as a church, from the board and from, from the heart of your pastor, we are on a journey as a church to get to a place where one-tenth of every dollar that comes in 
goes back to be a blessing to God's kingdom. 10% is our goal. And we're on a five-year journey, and we're in our third year. When we first moved here, we said, well, we'll do 2% this year, and then 4%. This year, we're doing 6%. And that's a little scary. 6% right off the top goes to missions and to, to be a blessing for outreach. But you know what? I believe that that principle not only works in individuals, it works corporately. And we want to continue to foster that as God continues to provide that we'll be able to do that. I want to end this morning by sharing an illustration that um, I've shared before about giving and just about how each of us have a responsibility to do our part. There was a, uh, a well digger in New England that was well respected and uh, someone from the country came and said, hey, we need a well out in our farm and we need someone to dig. And this well-respected well digger went out, dug a well, and put the well in the ground and uh, got fresh water, hit the water just like they expected. And he gave some instructions to the farmer and said, every day you need to pump this well. He says, okay. And as time went on, every day they used the well and it, was, it provided fresh, clean, beautiful water. And, uh, and, and he, as time went on, he had forgotten the encouragement from the well digger that every day it needed to be, to be pumped. The farmer and his family went on vacation for a time and, and left the farm. And when they came back, they went to the well to get that fresh, clean water that they would expect. And they began to pump nothing came. The well had dried up. They went back to the well digger and said, what in the world? What, what happened? It, was, it never failed us. You know, what happened? And the well digger said, you know, do you remember what I said? Every day you need to pump a little because what it was is underground is that there were these little streams and little tributaries that were connected to a river that was under the ground. And as they would pump, they would keep those tributaries and those rivers from the, from the river to, to that place where they got the water. It would keep that water fresh. It would keep it flowing. But if they missed it and stopped pumping, it dried up. And the water stopped flowing to those areas. As if you can imagine in our own lives, as we give a little every time that we have an increase, as we are faithful in our tithe, I believe that God will continue to pour his blessings into our lives. He will begin or continue to do that. Now, some of you this morning may be in a place where you need to dig a well. And I want to encourage you that this morning is a great place to start to give today. That's action step one. Others of you maybe have had a well and you've pumped that, but maybe you've left it for a while and, uh, and, you've, you, and you've gone back and, you know, boy, you're looking for the blessings of God and, and maybe the, the blessings have dried up you know, and God is calling you to be faithful again, to maybe drill a little deeper and to remember a little every day. And then there's some of us that have experienced the blessings and that may be most of us. I don't know. You know, one of the commitments I've made being your pastor is I don't know who gives and who doesn't. And, uh, and, and part of me, you know, the, uh, those that do know, that's a burden that, that I, I don't envy. Because I don't want to treat you different than anyone else because maybe you're a giver or maybe you're not. But I will say this, that as you're faithful to keep that pump, keep that, that source of blessing going, God is going to take care of your family. And as we do that corporately, as we continue to give a little every time, God is going to bless us. You will reap the benefits. Healthy churches are full of people that understand God's principle with money and with possessions. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes this morning. I know this message is, is not necessarily a salvation call. This morning you may have showed up here at church and, and you're away from God or maybe you've never had a relationship with God 
And before we continue, I want to just make sure that I give an opportunity for you to respond and just say yes to Jesus. If that's you this morning and you say, man, pastor, I don't have a relationship with Jesus. I want you just to raise your hand where you are if that's something you desire in your heart. Or maybe it's been a long time since you've served the Lord and you want to recommit your life to God. I just want you to slip up your hand and I want to pray for you. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to single you out. Um, but who here this morning would say, Pastor, that's me. I want to give my heart to Jesus. I want to turn my life over to him. Anyone at all? I'm looking on my left, your right. The center section. On my right, your left. This morning, I know that giving is a very personal um, matter. And when it comes to giving up our money, many times that's one of the hardest things that we can do. It can be hard for a teenager to give up that 10% when they could get go out to the movies an extra time. Or they could buy an extra shirt for school or pay for something else. For families, I know 10% can seem like the difference between paying all their bills or, or not. Something will go unpaid. This morning, my challenge is that you take God at his word. Trust God. Believe God. That as you begin to pump and to give back to God, to honor God, first in your life then you trust God to continue to bless to be a blessing if you're interested this morning in taking God at his word whether you are a faithful giver and have given all your life or you've given in the past and you are out of the practice at this point Maybe you're just digging the well for the very first time, just considering what would that look like in your life. This morning, I just want to challenge you to consider those two action points, to give today and then to give every time there's an increase in your life. Ushers, I want you to come at this time. We're going to take up an offering at this moment as an act of worship, giving back to God, honoring God. And as we do that, I want you to seriously consider what God would have you to do. I realize that husbands and wives, the unity within your family is very important. And I don't want to force you to, or manipulate you to do something this morning that you're not comfortable with doing. And so you may want to take a second and say, honey, what do you think? All right? And that's okay. I know there's some students here that, that maybe you're not prepared to give or, or uh, you, know, you don't have anything today. I'd encourage you uh, to, to do something. Get mom or dad or uh, look for someone to be able to do something. The goal this morning is 100% participation. And I believe God would be honored with that. I'm going to ask Pastor Mark to come and to pray for our offering this morning. And uh, Mark, um, as you pray, um, I want you to pray for uh, for a couple things. Of course, pray for the, the offerings. And then also, we want to remember Steve Levesque. Uh, he's with family today, uh, but just that God would continue. He's com completed his first week uh, of uh, radiation and his chemotherapy. The radiation will last, I believe, 28 days. And then um, the chemotherapy pills is uh, 48 days, I think. And so we've got a little bit of a journey here, but just that God would continue to bless him. And then our missionary for the day is uh, Jessica's, my wife's, um, uh, youth pastor and his wife, Bill and Lisa DeMusco. And uh, we want to continue to pray for them as we, as we honor that. And so um, maybe just grab one of these mics. I'm not sure which one would work there. And uh, um, let's pray. And then as we give this morning, Pastor Mark has a few announcements um, that he wants to make sure that we're aware of. Dear Lord, thank you so much for the opportunity uh, to give, the privilege to give. And Lord, I pray for those who 
maybe this morning this is a stretch for them. They, they feel a bit of resistance uh, to this for any number of reasons. Lord, I pray that you would just help them and, uh, Lord, give them courage. Because I know for many I- it's an act of faith and courage, Lord, to give uh, and, and to tithe, Lord. And so I pray that you would give them that faith, that courage to trust you, Lord, uh, with the first fruits. And I pray that uh, as they do, Lord, they would see uh, the increase in their lives, the continued blessings as, as you have promised, Lord. You've said to test you, <laughs> Lord, uh, to go ahead and test you on this and see, Lord, that, uh, that you will be faithful. Lord, we pray for the DeMustos, that you would be with them, Lord, as they minister and serve, God. I pray that as they continue to believe uh, for continued support, God, and finances, that you would provide for them, Lord, as I know, um, Lord, that, that they give, Lord, and that they've trusted you with their first fruits. Lord, that you continue to bless them and provide for them. Lord, provide protection, provide uh, just a, a covering around their family, Lord, as they minister, Lord, all around. I pray, Lord, also that, um, Lord, for Steve Levesque, that you would just be with him. Heavenly Father, that you would strengthen the Levesque family. Lord, that you would be with them, that you would be a comfort in these trying times. God, that you would be their strength, that you would be their shield, that you would be their protector, oh God, that they would find their hope in you. Lord, we know that, um, God, that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. I pray that as a body you would help us to know how to be an encouragement to their whole family. And Lord, we just thank you for Steve's total healing. We continue to pray, Lord, for every cancerous cell to be removed from his body in the name of Jesus. Remove it. And we speak to this cancer, and we just declare it gone in the name of Jesus. We command this cancer to leave his body in the name of Jesus. And, Lord, we give you all the glory, all the honor. For your name's sake, Lord, we pray you would do it. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, bless this offering, Lord. And uh, we just are so grateful for all that you're doing here. Amen. We want to just uh, let you know about a few things as you give uh, that are going on. Um, really exciting. Uh, this Tuesday, not far from here, uh, if you have kids uh, that enjoy the lake as much as my nephews, and I know many of your kids do enjoy that, we're going to have a family beach day down at North Beach Park. It's in Ferrysburg. If you know where the Coast Guard Park is, you just keep following that road. Um, it's called North Shore Drive all the way down to the lake till you hit the water. Um, and uh, it's right there on your right-hand side. There is a small admission fee for cars. It's a per-vehicle fee if you're an Ottawa County resident. Uh, the cost is $6 or $4, and it, if you're not a resident, it's $6. So if you're a resident of Ottawa County, it's $4, $6 if not. You can also buy yearly passes if you want. So that's going to be a great time. We want to invite you to come out for that uh, this Tuesday from 1 to 4 p.m. And then also, we have a kid's sleepover uh, coming up, um, and that's going to be a lot of fun. On uh, August 23rd is the deadline to pre-register. The actual um, day of the sleepover is the 28th through 29th, and uh, it's a great time not only for your kids, but really for parents. Uh, it allows you to get away and have some fun and, or get things done or whatever it is. Um, so kindergarten, it's kindergarten through fifth grade. Uh, the cost is $10 per child. Uh, the second and third child is less. You can look in your bulletin for the amounts there. Um, if you sign up and pay by August 23rd, and there's a sign-up out in the lobby, um, it's $10. The cost does go up $5 if you don't pre-register. We just really want people to get on board right away and not wait. So that's kind of the encouragement there. Um, and then we also want to let you know our youth ministry this Wednesday are, is having a lock-in. And uh, we're going to start at 10 p.m. It takes place the place of our normal Wednesday night. Uh, we're going to start at 10 p.m. instead of usually 7. Uh, we'll get done at 8 a.m. the next morning on Thursday morning. We're going to have pizza, games, uh, all kinds of fun competitions and stuff. We're going to be here at the church, staying at the church here. Um, if you sign up today, the cost is only $10 a person, but you need to sign up and pay today. There are registration forms in the lobby. Fill one of those out. Uh, get me your money here. I'll be around afterward. Um, and uh, make sure you get that in so you don't have to pay any more money. 
And then lastly, we want you to know about something really exciting. We are doing our Family Ministry Presents uh, again this month at the end of the month. It's the fifth Sunday month, and that's really exciting. August 30th, be here at 10 a.m. And um, if you've not been a part of our Family Ministry Presents or seen it, it is just a phenomenal opportunity, uh, not only for you and your family, your kids, to worship and grow uh, together with the Lord, but also, if you have friends or family or neighbors or coworkers that are either unchurched or unsaved, um, this is the perfect opportunity to bring them, especially if they have families, uh, because it's fun, it's engaging, it's really different from the or an ordinary service, um, and they'll hear the gospel, they'll hear, they'll hear about salvation um, in a way that's not threatening and engaging and interesting and a little different than maybe church as usual. And so make sure to bring them on out. And afterward, we're going to have an all-church picnic. And so there'll be some more details coming with that in the next week here. But right after church, we'll have food and we'll have a lot of fun. So we want you to stick around afterward with your families for the all-church picnic. And then make sure after service, if you would like to be part of the Family Ministry Presents, maybe you've wanted to be a part somehow and you didn't know how to get involved, would you come see me after service and let me know? I'm just going to stand right over here uh, for a little bit. Or if you want to hand me your registration forms uh, for the youth lock-in, you can do that too. And let me know if you're interested so that I can uh, get you plugged in, okay? We have a lot of exciting things going on. Thanks, Pastor Ben. Appreciate it. Let's stand together. And as we go this morning, I want us to do uh, something uh, that will be a lot of fun. Let's make sure that we are, as we greeted earlier and uh, gave someone a high five or a hug, let's do that again and just continue to foster what God has given us here, a great opportunity to be the body of Christ, to be able to meet each other's needs,